This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Three, two... Welcome back to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. It is Tuesday, January 12th, 2021, 12th day of the new year, and we are following up after the national title game last night. Alabama wins 52-24 over Ohio State, going a perfect 13-0. Devontae Smith erupts for 215 yards on three touchdowns in the first half, dislocates his finger, does not play the rest of the game, comes out and celebrates and wins the offensive MVP. Nick Saban now has won his seventh national championship. He has now passed Bear Bryant for the record of most national champions as a coach at the Division I collegiate level. Where do you rate Nick Saban? I would have to say he's going to go down as the best to ever do it at the college level, in my personal opinion. Um, Justin Fields downplays his injury, says he just did not get the job done. I really... uh. I do like the way he competes. He does an absolutely awesome job competing. He just uh, he went against a buzzsaw, and that's really what Alabama is. I think they might go down as one of the best teams to ever play at the college level. I mean, they were pretty pretty solid the whole way around. The real question is, where do you rate the 2017 recruiting class for Alabama? If you look at the guys that are on that recruiting class, that signing class, and where they're at now, uh, that one might go down as a very high-rated class as well. It's an ongoing process as Nick Saban is still trying to replace Steve Sarkeesian. College basketball tonight. Huge games tonight in college basketball. Wisconsin, number nine in the country, travels to number seven, Michigan. Michigan's 10-0, 5-0 in Big Ten play. And Michigan's only given up three and a half points at the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor. Tennessee travels to Vanderbilt. That's a, that's a good game there in the Volunteer State. I think Tennessee is going to take care of them nicely. Duke travels to Virginia Tech. Duke's given up one and a half. Duke does not play well in Castell Coliseum. I have a feeling that Virginia Tech, even though it's an upset because it's 19 versus 20 in the rankings, I think Duke is going to go to Virginia Tech and lose. Kansas is going to Oklahoma State. They do not play well at Oklahoma State. They're giving up four. But I do think that that game is going to be a pretty close one. But I'm just not sure how well Kansas is going to play at Oklahoma State. They're two up and down right now. West Virginia was traveling to Baylor tonight. That's the game I was looking most forward to because they're number 13 versus number 2. Baylor's 11-0. They're really rolling. West Virginia does an excellent job on the defensive end. But that game has been postponed due to COVID. So with that being said, we will discuss some more sports situations and more topics of trust trust tuesday we will discuss that when we come back and until then we will talk to you soon never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in three two one welcome back to never my wildest dream podcast as i said earlier it's trust tuesday and trust can come in a various array of forms trusting people that you work with trusting people that you're in a love relationship with, but I wanted to talk today about trusting the process. And 
you know, trusting your daily routines. That's something that a lot of people probably don't look at when they have a routine. They don't think about how the routine can impact their lives and help them. And that's one thing that I've tried to do, take and, you know, really think about and, and press on in my life to be more successful. And uh, I look forward to passing a little bit of these thoughts and ideas and um, ways that I do things along to everybody. So, you know, I make lists of electives. That's the easiest way to explain it. Um, like when you go to college, you have these mandatory classes, you know, I hated most of my mandatory classes, bio, English, calculus, whatever. I never want to take that stuff. I want to learn how to make money, teach, be an entrepreneur. But then you have your elective classes, you know, the things you really are interested in, the things you want to do. So I make a list of what I love doing. And I make that list for what I want to do in the year of 2021. You know, I talked earlier, I want to do a podcast, I want to read 12 books. I need to become healthier, not only physically, but mentally, learning how to control my anxiety, my depression, my borderline, my bipolar, you know, get closer to God by going to church more, reading the Bible more. I want to travel the globe, take family trips, all the stuff that I, Chad, want to do. These are in my elective column. And then I have another list that I like to call my now list. My now list are the daily things, and I try to introduce one new thing each month to my behavior. You know, last month it was to become more organized, write more stuff down, put more stuff in your calendar so you can see it. This month, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I want to introduce running back into my workouts in life. I want to force myself to get out on the road and run, clear my mind, get good, fresh, clean air in my lungs. And just go run and get yourself in tip-top shape. At the age of 38, I want to make sure that my body is a machine that's moving forward. The reason I try to do this monthly is because at the end of 2021, my goal is to have 12 new winning behaviors. 12. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you can take a step back and look at it and think, I added 12 behaviors to my life that I can now win off of, that's a hell of a year. That's a hell of a year. Most of us think back to the last couple of years and think, what have I added new? And when I tell people that, they're like, well, I can do these three things. I can read every day. I can go meditate, do silent self-work. I'm going to drink water. The problem is we never start with just one. We always start with the next one and the next one and the next one. We never get through them. My daily behaviors, I list them. And I see them every day because that is what I need to focus on my now to help me get to where I want to be. I want to be a better dad to my kids. I want to be more present. Get off the electronic devices. Get away from the television. Go do things that are important, not just for me, but for them. Learn about them. Learn about your kids. Find out what makes them tick and then Work with that, massage that, become better at that. I want to read the Bible daily. You know, I've challenged myself that this year that I'm going to read the Bible daily. I'm going to become closer to a calmness that church never really truly bought me until I started going to Lifehouse, but this calmness of who I am as a person and how I can be more relaxed. I need to drink less soda. That's a running joke. I know that I drink way too much soda. I drink way too many uh, caffeine drinks. I'm trying to cut that out because... I have something, as I talk about in this 
podcast that I want to be here for a long time. I have a lot to live for now, and I'm really excited about living for that, but I need to be healthier to get to that point. Every night before I go to bed, I need to say a prayer. I need to thank God for what I have today and pray that tomorrow is as smooth as today. And if it's not as smooth, please give me the guidance and the calmness to get through whatever tomorrow brings. I look at my list of my collections and say, now, how do I put this in my daily basis? How do I drink less soda? How do I spend more time with my kids in a positive manner? I make sure everything is scheduled in a week. I know when I have therapy sessions. I know when I want to work out. I know when I need to be at my job. I know when I need to talk to my kids and be with my kids and take them out. Why? Because when we schedule it, we're not winging it. We think about every CEO or business owner. Some of them have like three assistants. You know, they wake up, they come in in the morning, their day set. One assistant will hand them a schedule and say, from 9 to 9.15, you're here. From 9.15 to 9.30, you're here. From 10 to 10.30, you're here. We don't have that. Shit, I don't have that. Nobody has that. Only those guys have that. We can't wing it. I try to lay my next day out the night before so that I know every little place I need to be and every little thing I need to conquer because if I don't do that, I, I am going to forget something. It's just the truth. I will. It's going to slip through the cracks and, man, I got to get that to the next day. All of my electives go in my calendar. I schedule them. The trips, the church events that I want to go to, even my podcast. I want to get this done by this time in the day so that I know the rest of my day is taken care of because I've scheduled the rest of my day around this. I do not want to be out of whack. It's the most important thing that I've decided to do and that goes back to last month when I decided to become more organized and more structured within my own self and not in somebody else's structure. I'm not going to go through a year anymore not doing the shit I want to do. It's that simple. It's my life. It's my life plan. And if I don't do this, my system will be out of whack. I need to get back to my ground base if I'm not doing this. You know, we get one shot at this. One shot at life. I want to be able to love. I want to be able to give. I want to be loved. I want to do really good things, both in my personal life and my professional life. And guess what? We're all human. We get off the wagon every once in a while. And I'm aware of that. You know, I fell off the wagon a couple times in my life too, but it's about getting back up. And that's where you got to trust the process because sometimes at the end of the day, you don't feel as though the process is going to be what it is because you're in the middle of the storm and you need to get to the other side of the ocean. You know, I hear people say, why are you going to do this? Why are you going to do that? You know, when you're 75, you can't do stuff like this or you're not going to be able to do stuff like that. Well, guess what? I ain't playing at 75. I'm playing right now. I'm playing for my existence right now. We live our life like it's a novel. We have a beginning. We have a middle. We have an end. We reflect on the beginning. We tell stories about our childhood. Oh, remember when? Hey, I did this when? That's reflecting. In the middle where we currently are, where I'm currently at, that's where all of our worry is. It's where we spend all of our time. We think we'll never get out of this rut that we're currently possibly living in. We're stuck. That's where we are. And then in the end, which we often ignore, 
We don't ever put things in perspective. I'm sure most people listening have not picked their grade plot yet. If you haven't added to your list of your electives, then you're not taking it serious. Which means that do what you love, take every day as a gift, and trust the process. And when you get to the end of that process, I promise you, it'll be a much better place than when you currently started. Just wanted to pass along a little knowledge, a little thoughts here on Tuesday. Have Coach Matt Ryan coming on the show. Looking forward to chatting with Coach. He has been uh, around the block, as they would say, in the uh, coaching ranks as well as the uh, experience ranks. Got some great friends in the business as well. Looking forward to talking to Coach. We will have him on the show when we get back here in a few. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Welcome back to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. Fortunate enough to have Coach Matt Ryan with me this evening. Coach is a, a 1993 graduate of Mount St. Mary's College. He uh, got his first head coaching job in 1994 at Fairfield High School in Pennsylvania. After that, he went to St. Mary's College with Coach Bobby Flynn. He made it back to his alma mater, St. John's Prospect Hall there in Frederick. He went to Notre Dame Prep in Virginia. He was the head coach at Pot State Junior College for four years, and he was the head coach at Hagerstown Community College as well. Coach has a wealth of knowledge. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Coach, and thanks for having me. It's uh, uh, it's a real privilege to be on your show, and uh, I feel kind of honored to be honest with you, but good talking to you. No, I'm, I'm glad to have you. you got a wealth of knowledge, and we're looking forward to having this, uh, this chat. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I go back through your list a little bit. You coached with two guys that in my career I coached against, which is kind of cool how we're able to, like, you know, cross paths and probably not even realize it. But uh, you coached with Bobby Flynn at St. Mary's College. I coached, uh, I coached against him when he was at Cardinal Gibbons in the Baltimore Catholic League. And, you know, it's so unfortunate that Coach is no longer with us. He was an unbelievable human being. Um, but, you know, I really, uh, I really enjoyed going against him. What, kind, what stories you got from Coach? Because, man, that, that dude's got some serious – he had some serious stories back in the day. We had a lot of fun. Well, I knew Bob um, in my early years because he was uh, – sometime after my father, he was Coach Phelan's assistant. I want to say probably, oh God, mid-80s maybe, and I was still growing up around Mount St. Mary's and going in the gym, and that's how I got to know Bob. Um, he was a lacrosse player. Okay. Um, you know, Bob was like 6'5 or 6'4, but was a lacrosse player. He was this geeky-looking guy in, in a, uh, you know, a lacrosse mask. And uh, to fast-forward somewhat, Chad, he – asked me to come with him when he finally said he was going on his own from Coach Phelan. I want to tell you that was right after I graduated from the Mount, right after coaching at Fairfield High. Um, He came to me, uh, I guess the funny story is he came to me one day, we're sitting in the ark, and he says, listen, he goes, "Do do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I like being the head coach at the high school, but uh, he goes, well, listen, there's not much money, but, you know, you'll get your foot in the door and all that stuff, you know, all the stuff you talk about in coaching mm-hmm. that you've been through and I've been through. And 
the job started out with that I can get you like four or five grand a year. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, back then I'm thinking, geez, well, that's not much, but that's, that's okay. That's okay. And then he came back to me and he said, like a week later, he says, Matt, Maddie, it's only going to be like three grand a year. Is that okay? I said, yeah, Bobby, it's, it's good. By the time I got to Lexington Park or St. Mary's County, the job paid like fifteen hundred, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm just like laughing, and he's laughing, and um, that sounds like know. Coach. Yeah, and uh, Bob's just a uh, was an eccentric type of guy. Um, I do miss him a lot. I miss a lot of my coaching friends, but uh, Bobby had a you know. Uh, a tragic passing. It was, you know, unforeseen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember getting a call from my father, you know, and I was like, you know, what are you telling me? And, uh, Bob and I actually lived together the first few months we were, we were at St. Mary's and, uh, that was really a lot of fun. You know, it was him, me and his dog sneakers for people that know coach Flynn. That's, that's what it was. Those first couple months. And then eventually Tina, uh, his lovely wife and their family decided to move down. And, and, uh, you know, that was kind of my first college coaching thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things as we talk, uh, probably hear me talk a lot about is the people I've got to meet over the years. And Bob, Bob's passing was difficult for me. Um, cause I, you know, not only did we work together at St. Mary's, But we also worked together at the camps. Right. I mean, I, I worked Morgan's camps because we were in camps for like 15 straight summers. And Bob also did as well. That's when he was, you know, he was very close with the camp guys. And so was I. Uh, I'll take those memories with me. Uh, he was just a fun guy, just a eccentric type of funny guy. And uh, that's the way he coached. He loved his players. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that. That was coach. Yeah, it's funny. You use the word eccentric. It's it's ironic you use that word because the next guy that you worked with at Prospect Hall, Bruce Kelly, I think he'd probably fall under the uh, the Webster's Dictionary as eccentric. His picture might pop up. How was it working for Bruce? Bruce was a good guy. I think uh, when we met up with each other, he was just coming from American U. Does That's, that sound right? Yep, he was at American uh, University before he came back to Prospect Hall. That is correct. He was with the coach Naki and I actually interviewed for the job at my high school. Thought I was going to get it because I was a really decent player there. Um, but I did and I was still kind of young. So I was the, the JV coach and, and Bruce. Uh, uh, I, I think when we took over, it was the first year after Stu Vetter. So okay. it was r- really hard to fill those types of shoes and pretty much a lot of. A lot, of, a lot of those kids weren't there, but had not talked to Bruce in a while. I, uh, I think the last time I knew he was coaching at Bullis is that. Uh, yeah, he's he's still down at Bullis Prep. I mean, when I was the head coach at Goretti, we went down and scrimmaged them, and um, you know Bruce would come up and play the MAIT there at Goretti when uh, I was an assistant coach as well as a head coach, and I learned a lot from him just watching how he how he uh, operates during the games, how he operated during shoot-arounds at practice, during the tournament. and I mean, I, I pick one of being eccentric, but he had a very unique way and the way he coached and the way he responded to his kids and the way the kids responded to him. He was 
he he coaches very hard, but they totally get him and he totally gets them. But if you're from the outside looking in, you're like, man, this guy is like off his rocker sometimes. He he uh, how I remember Bruce, he was very patient, very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't get swayed one way or the other. I I remember we went out to Columbus, Ohio. Bruce probably remembers this. The very first year we took over for Coach Vetter. And so we inherited part of that schedule, which was kind of like a a national type of schedule. And I remember we, we go out to the Columbus Convention Center. We're playing in this tournament with all these big time schools. And we weren't so big time anymore. Right. And uh, we're, we're, the, the pregame's going on. And on the one side of the convention centers, so there's not that many people, maybe a thousand or two. And I turn around, I look behind, I said, Bruce, look, look around. He goes, oh, holy mackerel. I said, like 4,000 people behind us. And so they were coming to see, you know, the Nate Jameses, the Jason Cables. And <laughs> yeah. All, all those. And uh, we had a great group of kids, and uh, but not the not the same level of talent that the coach better had. So right. that was kind of a fun trip, and we kind of scaled it back after that. Yeah, but the next the next time that you coached with the big boys like that, you were at Notre Dame Prep, and you guys went 40 and 5. So you do have the understanding of what it's like to coach the guys that were at the uh, at the prospect hall the year before you guys got there, don't you? Man, you're good. You're good. I uh, yeah, that was with my old high school coach. He presented me with opportunity. Uh, some of the best players that I had been around were those guys uh, on that team at Notre Dame Academy. We the only guy that we didn't get was Lonnie Baxter. He came to campus. And he didn't come to Notre Dame, but we had Jamal Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. We had Fred Primus. Stefan Bacalli went on to play four years at Penn State in a backup role. Curtis Washington, who just passed away uh, tragically. Uh, Alpha Ben-Gore, who played at St. John's. Um, Bobby Weissmiller. We had a bunch of really good players. And we, I'm trying to remember who we lost to that year because we won the Virginia State A, Virginia private school championship and we beat like Atlantic Christian. I can't remember who we played, but I think, I think Mercersburg Academy might've been one of the teams that beat us. And they were like really good that year. I can't, I can't was that, exactly. Was that the year that Mercersburg went undefeated? You know what? I, I they don't had know. The, I they had the kid that went to Penn. The kid yeah. went to Penn State. They, they were solid. If I, if I remember that year, it probably would have been around that time. Coach Coach Kuba did a really good job up there at Mercersburg. And man, that one was year that, they was that nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, it, it was ninety eight. It would have been ninety seven, ninety eight year because I was a sophomore in high school and I remember playing against those guys. They were they were solid, man. He had some solid teams at that time. Yes. Yeah. The, the guys we had. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're bringing back some memories, Coach. I uh, I had a house in Winchester with six high major basketball players. You, you lived in fu- you lived in Funchester with some high major dudes. Yep. Yep. How did you keep and, them and out of Sweet Caroline's? <laughs> they asked me about the trips to and from school because it was like a 30, 25, 30 minute drive. Um Oh, I know how long that drive is. I used to recruit Middleburg Academy, which is what Notre Dame became after you guys got out of there. Right. I think in the one house we had, Stefan, Timmy Washington, 
Uh, Timmy played at East Carolina, maybe. Stefan played at Penn State. Freddie played, signed at Pitt. Um, I'll ask you a question. You remember who the assistant was at Pitt that signed Fred Primus? Old DC, uh, uh, DC assault guy. DC assault. His name's eluding me. Was an assistant pit. Well, and then I'll let you think about that. Then Jamal Gilchrist went to Texas A&M. Jamal and I rode together almost every morning. Fred would ride with me on the way back. Uh, Alpha Bengora mm-hmm. played at St. John's, and then Curtis Washington, who had signed at San Diego State. Um. It's funny because the the power of social media, which the last few years I'm, you know, I haven't been the biggest social media person, but some of my old players have connected with me through that, and one of them was Fred. You know, people don't, you know, Fred played at Spingarn High School. You know, that summer before he came to Notre Dame, he scored forty in the All Star game at Nike. I mean, he scored forty in the All Star game. So we get him, and I'm one of the assistant coaches. Every coach in the country is calling me. They're calling me about Stefan. They're calling me about Jamal. You know, I mean, we had some big. I mean, we had some big time dudes, and the kids are already on the team. Were good players. Absolutely. Here's one not to go off off track. There, Springar. Talking, you're talking about some serious basketball. You know, down there in D.C., people probably don't realize this, but that high school had two guys that made the NBA All-50 team and are both in the Hall of Fame. I did not know that. Was Sherman Douglas one of them? Elgin Baylor and Dave Bing both went to that high school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And now now the school's like basically torn down and it's turned into, you know, just another parking lot down in D.C. because they don't – it's not even open anymore. It's kind of crazy. I – I can't remember, to be honest with you. I'd have to ask Coach Hoffman, who was my high school coach, who kind of took our program in a, in, in a matter of a year into this powerhouse, uh, and he did the same thing. He's now down in South Carolina with Coach Colony at Trinity Burns High School. I think Mike Teasley? Yeah, Teasley's Te- is back down there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe. I don't know if Coach Colony is with him, but... I mean, we brought all these guys, and we—I mean, Coach Hoffman didn't mess around. I—I I, I can tell you, I remember Lonnie Baxter coming to campus, and I think, I think one of the sisters at the school were like, "Nah, he, you know, he's got to wear a shirt on the visit." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." I was like, "Lonnie, can you put your shirt on?" You know, so, you know we just had some some characters, and uh, I mean, Jamal Gilchrist went to the Shane James tournament that year went down the middle and just dunked it with his left hand. I kind of sat there on the bench. I was like, wow, you know, some of these guys were really good. They all went to big time school. So I think after that, you know, I had, I coached some really good players. I was fortunate. Um, but that was kind of not quite that level. Right. Well, I mean, and, and I, um, I know you and I were, were both at HCC and we can kind of talk about that, but I was fortunate enough to coach some serious dudes at that level too. And that was, that was it. Was fun being able to coach them. It was uh, hard being able to monitor their daily activities, as you know, at the junior college level, with you being a pot state and at HCC. But you know, when you get around talent that's like that, it, it does become kind of fun because you can sit there and watch them. And plays are going to occur that you're never going to see again, and you have a front row seat to the magic, which is the way I always looked at it. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people sometimes don't realize that um, there's a lot of really good players that play junior college that never played anyplace else. Oh, um, my goodness, yeah. I don't know if you remember the guy at Beaver played for Mark Javins in my era, in the Billy Lewitt era at Cecil. Coach uh, Billy Lewitt. Lewitt era at Cecil. Yep. Lamar Castile played at Beaver. Okay. I'm not sure where he went to high school. I'm not sure where he went after Beaver, but he was one of the best players I've coached against. And, uh, I mean, he was like the 6'2 dynamo guard, built like a grown man. He was a grown man. And uh, so in the travels in junior college, as you know, it, when you were at HEC, I mean, you guys had some big-time guys. I didn't quite have some big-time guys. I had some really decent players, but I didn't cross from A to Z. I didn't have that kind of talent. But, you know, when I was at Pot State, get on the charter, we'd leave at noon or 1 o'clock. We'd stop in Pittsburgh at the Olive Garden. You know, you know the deal. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think on my best team had six guys go to the next level. Carlos Poindexter went to Virginia State. Joe mm-hmm. Harden went to Fairmont. Got recruited by a lot of people. Holds the Loud Gymnasium record for most points, 57. Um, and then John Patterson and Michael Layton both went to WVU. And Michael Layton was the team manager there for, for three years. And is close to this day with John Beeline. And so... Um, so that, yeah, like you said, uh, I remember you had a wing there at HCC, like a six, eight wing that could put it on the deck a little bit. Remind me of the kid at Allegheny Williams, but, uh, talking yeah. about it. You're talking about Antonio Jennifer that, that he was in tone was a really good player. He was, he was fun to coach. I got a good recruiting story on tone. That was a, that was a fun one to sign. Um, mom. We went down to visit him. I had signed. I had signed his best friend, Antoine Pittman, and and Christian a kid named Christian Leach. And Tony was was kind of elusive in the recruiting. Like he texts you back here, every here here and there. He call you back here and there. And so I ended up talking to Pitt, and I'm like, Yo, like when are we gonna get this cat like on the horn? So Antoine, I was down recruiting. And Antoine was like, Hey, Tone's at work. And I was like, Okay, so. Where's Tony working? Antonio Jennifer is working at Lowe's in the lumber section. <laughs> so I go in and I finally now have Tony face to face and we kind of, you know, shoot the bull a little bit and I give him my spiel on why I think he needs to be uh, in college and not selling lumber. Nothing against selling lumber at Lowe's, but, you know, that just didn't fit with what I felt as though his capabilities were as a human being. So we got to talk to moms. So we go talk to mom, who is a Metro bus driver in D.C. So we're sitting in the living room, and she's talking about how he has a good job. And I'm like, yeah, he does. I'm like, but I'll be honest with you, like, the Guinness Book of World Records is going to call because your son is the lar- is the tallest lumber salesman in the world. He's six foot eight selling lumber. That's not going to fly. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, Two years later, he was a thousand point plus scorer and all, all American at Hagerside Community College. He went to St. Francis, Brooklyn, played professionally overseas a little bit, and he now has a crew. He works for FedEx. He has a crew under him that drive the forklifts. He's not the one driving them. He's got a crew under him because of his college degree, which he got for free. And uh, you know, I they're the stories I have. I know you've got a million of them too, and. Um, you mentioned the name Carlos Poindexter. 
where is he coaching now? Carlos, I believe, and you'll have to bear with me, coach. I'm not coaching right at the moment. So this is a, you know, I know you and I have talked before, but this time of year, once we turn the holidays, it's kind of, it's difficult. It's difficult not going on the practice floor. It's difficult not having that practice plan in your thing. But I believe Carlos is the head basketball coach at Hayfield High. There you go. I then I knew that name was hanging in my head, and I couldn't remember. And I and I, you know, I got you on the phone, so I can't scroll back through my contacts. <laughs> I've got Carlos Poindexter's uh, contact You're info on my phone. No, I got I got his cell phone number, and uh, I recruited some of his kids when I was at Shenandoah University. I knew that name sounded familiar. Kind of like. Poindexter is not a usual name. It kind of stuck out when you said that. So before, before I transferred to the mound, uh, I played with a guy named Mark Malishian who went back 20 years ago, um, was the assistant coach at Hayfield. He called me about these two guys, three guys, and they were the two best players I ever coached at Pot State, yep. Joe Harden and Tony Nylander. And you were just talking about the talent you see at the junior college level. And it was one of the things that kind of drew me to it. But, uh, God, those two guys were great players. I mean, Nylander never went on past Pod State. He was a 6'5 swing. I think John Laranega was at George Mason at the time, had called me about him. But, you know, a lot of these guys never make it. And nope. But... It just goes to show you how tough it is in basketball. You know, there's, you know, we talk about all the time, we've both coached in this area. You know, there's a lot more to it than being really good with the ball or being a really good defender. You know, can you punch the clock? Yep. You know, can you be on time? You know, I can tell you, you know, I'm, I'm watching my son go through the process now and he's, he's in college and he's playing. There's no, baloney you know the coach expects them there there's no talk about it it's It's no it's a job and and and, and the the problem is is people don't see it as a job i mean you know you mentioned the name castile so i kind of did a little bit of looking here while uh while you and i were chit-chatting and so you're dead on right so he goes he bounces around a couple junior colleges in florida and nebraska before landing at beaver and the 2001 to 2002 and the 2002 to 2003 season, he averaged 30 points a game in junior college basketball. Chad, I, I, I kid you not, uh, and I appreciate you having me on and taking me through. This is really great. He was a this this my dad who coached with Coach Fallon came to a game. We're, we're playing Beaver. They're ranked like two in the country, and two of my players I got rid of a positive are the starting guards for Beaver. And this guy, this guy was like better than Mark Tillman. This guy was incredible. Six foot two, 210 pounds. He did not have the grades to go to Division One. So in 2003, he declared for the NBA draft, did not get a call. He did bounce around from the ABA to the CBA to the WBA to the PBL. But all in all, he had 11 seasons of pro basketball. I didn't, I did not. I did not know that. And I, and I enjoy I, pulling that stuff up when we talk because it just makes it a lot more fun, you know, to bounce around and all that I, kind of I, stuff. I, I did not know that. I just knew that that Mark Javins, Beaver was our nemesis. And then, of course, Allegheny at Pittsburgh. We would have wars with a coach by the name of Bill Shea. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this Lamar, this Castile dude was just, he was something else. Like, I was like, you know, and sometimes in JC, or when I was still able to play, 
uh, forever ago. I'd play in these semi-pro leagues in D.C. And in my really good couple of years, I'd walk on the court and somebody say, man, who is this guy? And I just would kind of chuckle because <laughs> I'd never played. I was never a big-time player or never a thought. But then there'd be some guy I'd play against. I'm like, well, who is this guy? Like, I really don't want to have to guard this guy again. And I would ask him after the game. I said, who are you? He goes, hey, man, I, I played at Slippery Rock for like two years. And God, you know, and the moral of the story, as you know, is just really good players every place. All over the and, place. I mean, you you have good players where you coach. Yeah. Kids aren't too bad. No, we do but, a good, they do a good job. But But here's the difference. And I'm watching my own son go through it, who's not a superstar by any stretch of imagination, but he does all the other things. So I preach to him, do those other things. Be a good teammate. You know, be just the, the work process right now during the COVID is just, it's really tough. And I know you want to talk a little bit about the COVID era, but it's really tough. And uh, I was talking to Nate Naylor the other day. Mm-hmm. He's my, one of my new neighbors. And he, he said something really neat. He said, you know, what motivates you? You know, and I tell my son, you know, what motivates you? Do you imagine yourself starting someday? You know, do you imagine yourself having your name called? You know, giving everybody five as you come out, hear your name called? What motivates you? What makes you do the, the set that you didn't want to do in the weight room, you know, before we go back to school here? Yeah. And I would say that to anybody <clears throat> listening, anybody that, you know, you got to just try to stay the course. And for coaches, too, you and I talked about this before, you know, what, what are the, you know, what it must be for some of the coaches that that aren't able to coach their teams right now. I can only imagine. It's impossible. How, I can only imagine what you're going through and, and your, your colleagues, cohorts, you know, uh, I think Division Two started playing. Some Division Two started playing last week. I think they they did uh, a couple of them, like Wheel and Jesuit. They already got canceled for like the first three weeks because of a COVID situation. But yeah, they did. They did. It's it's impossible though. I mean, you got Division One's falling apart, and those dudes got endless checkbooks. I don't know how Division, <clears throat> excuse me, Division Two or Division Three are going to do it with limited checkbooks. Is Division Three even playing right now, or they're not I, playing at all? The ODAC is going to start up on January the twenty third. They're only playing in conference games. I know a couple of leagues up in the Pennsylvania ranks are going to be starting up in February, and they're only playing in conference games. But it's going to be hit or miss. It comes down to the provost and the presidents. Do they feel comfortable putting their student athletes out there from a safety perspective, and what the testing looks like, and all that kind of stuff? Right, I, I know with the with the Maryland JUCO, what I heard, that there's 11 teams that are in, um, and the season's. Yeah, I think they did the right thing. They pushed the season back to the 15th of February, but like you said, it's not, it's not the Big Ten, so they don't have endless testing. No, and testing is the key. Um, let's just hope that these numbers get a little bit better over the next week or two. I'm just hoping they do. Yeah. Uh, because like in, in, in the situation with what I'm overseeing with my son is he gets the year now. He gets the redshirt year, which right. he so desperately needed. So we hope that if there's some sort of season coach, because it, you know, it gives them some reps, it gives them some playing, it gives them some structure. You know, I can only imagine what the spring semester is going to be like when it starts here in like another, I think 10 days for, for his particular college. But try to, you know, let's put yourself in a coach's shoes. Now, if you don't have a season, 
mm-hmm. or you can't have workouts or practice, how do you manage your guys in the classroom when they're not even going to the classroom? Yeah, I mean, I, it, and and we're and we're talking junior college. Like, <clears throat> we'll just stick on that on that focus for a second because at South Hagerstown High School, you know, um, I'll I'll touch on that real quick. You know, Coach Hoffman does a really good job touching base with the guys on a weekly basis through we 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 call basketball school. They're able to kind of log in, talk to some zooms. I've popped in a little bit and talked to them as well. Um, but you know, it's very difficult to know or understand what they're going through at home. So we try to monitor them. I, I text the guys a lot. I'm constantly in contact with them through text message, making sure they're doing okay, got enough food, that type stuff. Um, but at the junior college level, I know how hard it is when the damn kids are in class. Right. <laughs> Let alone, yo, roll over, get the hell off 2K, and get on your freaking computer and go to class today. Like, it's just a different world. And, and, I, and I do believe that the cream will rise to the top. And, and you, you know, you made a comment, and I jotted it down while we were talking here. And <clears throat> today is Tuesday, so it's Trust Tuesday. That's what I call Tuesdays. You know, we talk about That's trust tough. in relationships. We talk about trust in, in business, co-working, you know, your, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Trust has got to be a key part of the relationship. That's where everybody focuses on a ton of trust. And, and and I'm not downplaying that at all because that's the thing that makes those the worlds go round and those and those objects and, and those relationships. But the one thing that the kids today have to do is trust the process. On the segment before I got you to come on the phone here, Coach, I talked about trusting the process and setting goals for yourself. And you know, a lot of the internal clock has to tick for you to be successful. And that's where I'm probably touching my guys more than anything is like challenging them internally. And yeah, I think in order to uh, be successful, a, you got to do that. That's really interesting. Um, I can only imagine it's got to be hard. Um, I know that when I'm not coaching, I sit back, and uh, most people know my very close friend is Heath Schroyer, who is now the uh, he's no longer the acting AD; he's the AD at McNeese State, and he's the head basketball coach. Well, on top of this pandemic stuff, okay. They've had not one, but two hurricanes. Yeah, and they did. He was telling me like how hard it is because they their kids are at Louisiana Lafayette. So he's got to drive 90, mil, 90 miles from Lake Charles. And Lake Charles, I think on the first storm, was like the episode. It so was. he's got to travel 90 miles to Lake Charles to go to practice. So he's not even close to those guys. Um they got walled the first game of the year by Nebraska, but then they've been piecing together their season. I believe they're in comms play. I called him recently. I, I know he's on the road, but he was telling me, like, Maddie, you know, I have to look at it a little bit differently this year and just be thankful we're playing. And I I would encourage everybody, try to, try to have a season, follow the guidelines, um, but let's get these kids, you know, even if it's a – even if it's a small season, even if it's a 12-game season, um, especially in high school because there's no guarantee they'll get this year back, right? No. The high school kids. I mean, you know, high school is going to be a hell of a lot different than everybody else. Um, I just feel I feel so bad for those kids, the kids you coach, mm-hmm. uh, the, the kids in the county. The guys um, that were Maddie's teammates last year. I mean, it, it is difficult. I do, I do have to ask you a question, though, from Heath's perspective. I'm just kind of pulling some of this up while you're talking. Nebraska beats them 102-55. to 55. 
Who in the hell is Dallas Christian College? <laughs> Listen, Coach and I have been friends for like 35 years. I don't know who. Well, did you see the, the score? Well, did, did you see the other games they had on the schedule? They had the the Champions College. Is that actually a college? I joke, I joke with them. Well, he has got champion Christian. He beat them pretty bad. I'm going back to this game against Dallas Christian. Matt, they won 140 to 37. Did he like press the whole game or something? I mean, he, I mean, look, he took all of his frustration on the Hurricanes out on the Dallas Christian kids. I mean, uh, you, you'll have to tell me when he comes on your show. You, you'll have to ask him. Uh, your coach and I are going to have a little conversation about that. I mean, he beat them. Oh my God, by a hundred. And didn't he play? Didn't they play twice? No, nah, they only played that one. Hell, he they made. Maybe they rolled the scores together. <laughs> he, he he does that. You know the the fascinating thing about Heath is he's the head coach at four D ones. This guy I grew up with. Yep, he has. Okay, he's been the head coach at Portland State, and I actually sent him one of my players from Pot State, Brandon Howden, the Big Dipper from Lake Clifton. All right, then he was at. He was the head coach at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was the head coach at East uh, Tennessee Martin. I was going to say East Tennessee State. Well, he did a really good job at Tennessee Martin. Got him up to that ESPN game. They lost to Austin P, I believe. They did. And that, and then, you know, he went to NC State for that year, which was t- some turmoil. And now he's the head coach at McNeese. He's in his second or third year. But that the, the, the hard part about what he's going through and he reminds me is that they had 17 days, coach, 17 days without running water and power after the first hurricane. So I know his wife got out of town, went flew to Vegas, and he was there with his son, Hayden, yep. who had just graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he got up every morning and, uh, you know, had to go fill up gas jugs so that by the end of the night, he could fill up the generators to keep part of the house cool because it was like 100 degrees. Oh, I can only imagine, especially down in that area of the country. That, that's that's a, a hot box anyway. I told him, I, I think it was Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, I called him, or he called me back. Maybe he called me back that Saturday they were traveling. And I, I told him, I haven't told him many times in our relationship, I told him I was proud of him. He says, why are you saying that? And I said, well, I, I just love the way you handled yourself. He goes, man, you got beat by 50. I said, I know. I said, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, you have to think about the big picture. And of course, it's easy for me to say that, right, Coach Brashears, because I'm not, I'm not the one taking the L. He is. But I was just really proud of the guy that's been a very close friend of mine for years. He waved down at the head coach of Nebraska who was at Iowa State. His, his name's alluding me. You'll know it. Um, and he was very positive with his team. Um, he's been positive with his team. Heath is going to get it done. Trust me, he he leaves it all out there. Um, and now they had a brand new arena. He was just starting to put people in the stands last year with some really good wins there. Yep. Um, they got up to 15 wins. And then, of course, the hurricane comes and, you know, th- destroyed his office. Yeah, you were telling me about that. Like, he lost, like... I- you know, I'm sitting in my office right now and I'm looking at all the different pictures I have and the people that I've met and the stories that are all behind all those pictures. You said he lost all of that from the hurricane. Yeah, he, he did. He uh, Again, I haven't talked to him probably for a couple of weeks. Now, I left him a message the other day. 
um, he'll get back to me when he gets a chance. I, 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 now you have me kind of laughing here because I'm wondering who's on the schedule next. They, they should be in Southland League play, which um, I don't know if you have the schedule there, but you know Northwestern State's still good. Nichols is good. Uh, Lamar's improved or had been. Um, and who was the head coach at uh, Stephen F. Austin? Brad Underwood, right? He was. That's correct. Before he took the job and, at Illinois. And, and he's done a phenomenal job at Illinois, you would say, right? Absolutely. Guy can really coach. And we, you and I have talked before, but like I studied, like you watch all these guys. I mean, like I'm really happy for Shaka because he's he has struggled at Texas, done a great job. Um, and I'll tell you what, Coach, I, I haven't mentioned this to you, but I, I am impressed with these coaches and their ability you know, I don't see a drop-off. In, in my opinion, I could be wrong. People might disagree when they listen to this. I don't see a huge drop-off in the level of play. Not mm-hmm. right now. Maybe early on, those first couple games, guys looked like they hadn't lifted or their bodies were a little bit different. But it's not because of lack of effort. So I no. kudos to all the, the pro-ed college athletes who are playing in front of no fans. Yeah, and, and you know how it is. That's like that's like a scrimmage with ESPN cameras on it. I mean, at that level, just be real. I mean, you know what it's like in a gym when you're having a scrimmage and you can hear guys making noise in the corners when you're not supposed to. And, you know, in a north-south basketball game, there's 1,000, 1,200 people in there and it's rocking and you can't hear yourself right. think. You know, I mean, I, I pick on Duke all the time on my show, okay? You know, 9,314 people fit into camera in every home game. Well, it's a totally different world in Cameron now, and nobody's really afraid of going in there. So it's going to be interesting to see. But you're right. And and I'll, and I'll go with you on this. The game is 94 by 50-foot box. Foul, foul lines are 15 feet, rims are 10 feet tall. So the game hasn't changed. The circumstances that they're used to have changed, but that's the only thing that's changed. Could you, could you imagine having a north-south game with no fans? That just that that would be pretty wild, actually. No, I, I couldn't. I mean, I would love to do it if that's the only way we could play, but I would right. not have fun doing it. I mean, how would how would they do that? Would they would we get a bunch of TVs and do the virtual thing, or but I mean, because that's that's a big deal. Probably live feed it somewhere. I, I'm, that's a great question. That's a big deal. Let's be honest. We're all critical of the area sometimes in terms of sports or whatever, but the, the North South thing's a big deal. It is. It's a huge and, deal. And it and it's and it's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It it's uh, you know, I I don't know. I you certainly won't be able to have a, a north south, you know, late January game, uh, you know, with a with a bunch of people packed in the gym. No, uh, I remember the game last year at your place. You know, the announcer had to say, "Listen, if there's a little bit of space by you, slide over." It's what it's supposed to be like, man. That's how yeah. that, that they're the games that I live for and you live for as a coach. I mean, we get into those games, you know, when you're sweating during the national anthem and your suit, that kind of tells you what the environment's gonna be like for your guys. I wonder, and, I wonder what happens in the post COVID era when many millions have been vaccinated or, or maybe you don't have to wear the mask or something. Do you think we ever get back to packed in like sardines? Uh north south you know i hope so yeah i think we're years away though probably 
I mean, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to rock an ascot or something with my suit, just kind of pull it up over my, over my nose, you know, or even like building the other guys, the Coretti, St. James, same, same type of deal. Yeah. Those gyms are packed there. It's going to be a while before we can get, you know, the St. James tournament won't be the same for a while just because of occupancy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, People need to stay safe. I, I, I've tried to stay off the political rants on this thing, and, uh, you know, I'm going to stay positive with this one. But, you know, it is unfortunate. We are not in the same world that we were in in 2019, and, uh, but we do have to stay safe. And, you know, we have way too many loved ones and people that could be affected by this that could change the outcome of family trees. And, and it just, we just need to be smart about it. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I, uh, I just, you know, it's hard. You know, it's, it's just tough, you know, you're a father, I'm a father too. Yep. And, you know, this was a big year for, for, for my son and, and now we're battling this and, you know, he, he got an email last week, Hey, we're, we're delaying the return. And so we're hopeful. Yep. We're hopeful that they'll play these games. And you know what the funny thing is, is I was talking to my dad today and, uh, and uh, for everybody that's listening, my dad said, well, are you going to be able to go to the games when they play them? Because the Maryland Juco does have a schedule. And I said, you know, that's a really good question. That's your media pass. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, the only good thing here is that, he, you know, a lot of these kids in junior college division two, they get the blanket year of eligibility. Yes. So he'll be a freshman again next year, which yep. is more on par for what he needs. But, uh, you know, I, I, do, I do say to everybody when I watch these games on TV – you know, I, I am, like, from a fan and a coach perspective, impressed with the effort. I haven't seen many teams tank it, except for one. And you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. It's my, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles uh, who decided to give the Washington football team their playoff spot. And uh, for all my friends out there uh, – you can't do that. You can't tank it. You know, the Lakers during the summer, they played hard. They All did. Those, teams, those, those games were decent games. No, they were great games. You know, and uh, but I hope I hope you guys are, are back out there soon, Coach. You uh, did a phenomenal job with your guys last year. I mean, a phenomenal job. Was it 11 of 12? Went 11 out of our last 12 down the stretch. I appreciate that. It was a blast. Um, I credit to my staff, you know, they, they did a good job. They put up with my shit on a regular basis. Trust me, I'm probably not the easiest dude in the world to work for. And I can, I can say that with a smile on my face. Um, and the guys bought in and believed in each other. And that's half the battle, as you know, or shit, that could be three fourths of the battle in a locker room is the guys got to buy in and they got to believe in the guys that they're going to war with. And, uh, we did that. And, you know, I said it earlier on the show when I talked to a couple of their coaches, which I've been fortunate enough to have guys on here who know the game of basketball, that I can say certain things and you understand this. We got to a point last year when we were rolling. It wasn't if we were going to win or not when we walked off the bus. It was how are we going to get these dudes and by how much? And that's how we felt. And, you know, to it, um, I say that and it could be bulletin board material. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't care because that's – the mindset you have to have, you got to get to that point where we're going to get this win by how much. 
and and I look forward to that time again. Um, hopefully, it's sooner than later. I just want if we do do it, I just want to make sure that we do it right. We don't get a couple games in, and then you know we shut back down, and guys are sick and stuff. That's that's not worth it to me. Um, if that's the case, then why don't we just open up, you know, more of a spring workout session and have college coaches come in and watch them work out and get them the same results that they would get anyway, which is the opportunity to go play college basketball. And that's the hard. That's the hard part because none of them, and there's other kids in the county that I'm thinking of. I won't thinking of that. Yep. You know, maybe have a chance to play uh, at the next level. I mean, there's just no. This is uncharted waters for them. Mm-hmm. I wish the NCAA could, or whoever, whatever governing body could do something for them. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, yeah, it is what it is. It's a challenge and. Um, you know, uh, we had talked and this, this type of time of year is always tough for me because I'm, I'm currently not coaching. Right. And so I watch all my friends coach and I talk to them and, um, I watch these games and every night, right. There's somebody else on the COVID list or somebody's not playing or somebody, can't our team can't play mm-hmm. it's just real it's just really unbelievable um it makes you wonder you know is is it worth it you know should we have shut the season down december 20th and then started it again january 20th have, have january may, ma- may madness what like that? rick patino said what's that i mean have a may madness like rick patino said yeah, I like I, you know. I think Shashevsky said it as well. I, you know, yeah. to be honest with you, he caught flack for it. But the truth be told, um, it's what you know. The, what my son's going through now. They were told right before Thanksgiving they were they were going to have Thanksgiving there. I remember you saying and, that, and I thought that was a great idea. You know, they had planned out so the kids wouldn't leave and come back because there's kids from all over the country and a couple kids from Florida, and uh, you know. Maddie had called me and said, Hey, you got to come get me after you off campus at, at eight o'clock tonight. And they haven't been back since. And now they're getting ready to, to go back. And, um, that's what I, that's look, whatever is the safest thing for these student athletes, you know, I mean, think about the culture we're in. They can go to basketball practice or football practice, right? Mm-hmm. But they can't go to their class <laughs> in the classroom. Precedent's different, isn't it? It's more like an athlete student. I mean, say what you want, you know, where, you know, where are we at with it? Right. What, you know, and, and don't, you know, we all watched the game. I, I watched the game last night. Yeah. The football game last night. Yeah. I was excited to watch the basketball games. Yep. I love watching Iowa play. I love watching Gonzaga play. They can you play know? a little bit, can't they? You know, I love watching all these teams play, but you know, they, they, most of them are taking, getting their laptops out mm-hmm. from their dorm room mm-hmm. or from home and can't have in-person instruction, but yet it's okay. And basketball, we could probably both agree. You know, we're setting screens on people. We're banging into people. We're breathing on people. Yep. Um, I mean, basketball is really the worst when it comes to the potential transmission of any virus. Absolutely. Um, 
So, well, I you, mean, listen, we, we all got to just try to hopefully numbers, you know, are going to start to go down here and, and, uh, and, and the NCAA will be able to have more participation from more schools mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and we can start getting kids back to school. Yep. Lord knows we need it. No, you're dead on with that, Coach. Here, I'm going to leave you with this before we hop off here. You said um, tough time of year for you. You have a son playing college basketball. There's a reason you're not sitting on a bench right now so you can get to experience that. Yeah, hey, Chad, I I, uh, I really appreciate you coming to me and asking me. I was kind of taken back by this. I wasn't quite sure if you were serious at first. I was like, well, I guess he wants to talk to me. And uh, so thank you so much for thinking of me. I, I love basketball. I'm, I'm here to help anybody. Uh, you were so kind enough to highlight some of the things in, in my career. Um, I hope my career is not over. And yeah, I got a son playing. It's wonderful. Uh, I have conversations with him all the time while he's home here until he leaves next week. And I get to be with him in the weight room and kind of monitor him and uh, he's still a baby in the basketball world. He's still a baby, but he has a goal that he wants to play at a four-year school. And, you know, he's one of the few guys, I guess, in the area. There's, you know, obviously Lincoln's playing at an extraordinarily high level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Peralta's playing up in Vermont. And then, you know, there's not a lot to be honest with you. Right. They're still rocking. And I, so. so I hope that he makes the most of it. Uh, he loves it, but you know, he's not Allen Iverson. And, uh, you know, when you're five foot 11, it's really tough. Basketball's a tough game. Um, and it's not like baseball. Baseball, there's several different components that you can be good at and maybe get noticed. If you can hit, if you can throw. Oh, he's got some speed. Okay. He's got a great arm. The tools. Basketball. Yeah, basketball. There's one thing. There's one thing that kind of separates certain guys from other guys. Can he shoot it? Yeah. yeah can he shoot? Matty shoots it pretty good, but he's not really there as the player yet. But his coach, who saw him last summer, likes the way he does certain things. He punches the clock. I know you and I talk about this a lot in closing. You know, do the little things, man. If you're out there and you're a player and you play for Coach Brashears, man, do the little things. Because guess what? There's a college coach out there. It only takes one yep. that likes that. And you know, and 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 we'll talk about this real quick. Matt plays for Andy Sachs. Uh, Andy is a journeyman. That's the easiest way to put it. And he's done an unbelievable job. Every place that he's been, he's won. He creates young men that are winners, and Matt's in a good spot down at Chesapeake. And Andy and I, we haven't talked recently, but when we do talk on the phone, it's always a good conversation. It's always a, you know, one of those where you get off the phone, you feel like you can kind of go run through another brick wall and do a little bit more for yourself and for the guys that you coach. So, you know, he's with a good one down there at Chesapeake College, and I look forward to following his career and seeing how he does down there. Coach, I really appreciate it. I, uh, Coach Jack's a real nice guy. You know, I haven't talked to him much uh, at all because he's been in the grind. But uh, one of the things I'm fortunate with is no matter what happens, because the basketball will get taken from you at some point, Mm -hmm. 
is you, you want to be with good people. Mm-hmm. And Andy, Andy is a great, he's a great, really good coach. Yep. We all get that. But he's a great guy. Yeah, he is. He really he's is. A great, he's a great guy. And Maddie loves him. You know, and Maddie has told me the practices are tough. That, you know, when he goes by somebody in the event, he actually goes by somebody. He said somebody else is waiting for him. And Coach Jackson said, look, your job is to make open shots. So better figure out how to do it. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes when a coach gives you that type of confidence, you kind of take that and run with it. But, uh, yeah. hey, man, uh, I hope to see you on the sideline soon. Appreciate- I, I really thank you for the opportunity to talk on your show. No, I appreciate it, Coach. I'd love to have you back on. We can just kind of shoot a little about a little bit of anything. We can tell stories, um, you know, the next time you're back on. But I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Coach Brashears. Take yes. care. Yes, sir. Brian, for being on the show today. Uh, always look forward to catching up with guys who have been in the business, been around the business, and understand the uh, ins and outs, the uh, – the battles, the struggles, and the uh, the the good parts. So uh, glad to have Coach on the show. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. It's going to be Wisdom Wednesday. But until uh, then, we will definitely talk to you soon. Never in my wildest dreams podcast.